One of the areas that I'm very proud of in our city is that we've not neglected the infrastructure in the last number of years. A lot of cities, frankly, this country and state have neglected their infrastructure, their roads, their bridges, their parks and playgrounds and libraries. But in San Francisco, uh, a number of years ago, we initiated a very aggressive economic development strategy uh, and capital program. Uh, that capital program now will be a godsend in terms of addressing the macroeconomic climate and challenges that we're facing. The capital program specifically is a $19.8 billion program uh, that incorporates some of the most important initiatives this city uh, can advance in terms of improving its wastewater and water facilities, its public transit, its airport, streets, uh, its health and human service uh, uh, facilities, its recreation and park facilities, its port, and its criminal justice apparatus. Uh, that is the first time, and I think this is important, it's the first time we've had a capital plan in our city's history. And this was initiated just a couple of years ago uh, by the Board of Supervisors in partnership with our office, the Supervisor Sean Ellsberg and Supervisor Michaela Aliotto-Pierce, Supervisor Carmen Chu, and others that really wanted to push uh, the bar uh, in terms of organizing our capital needs in a thoughtful and a deliberative manner as opposed to a scattered shot way as we were doing it in the past. Now let's talk about the past. In the last number of years before we got into office, you saw that our general fund capital contribution was just flat at $12 million a year. That was it, $36 million over three years. When we got into office, we immediately bumped it up to 63 million, 69 million, and this last year, 71 million dollars. This is important. People every single day are saying, well, what are you doing about the capital of the city? Well, I hope this slide gives you a sense, and maybe even this next slide gives you a sense of the contrast. First three years, 36 million before we got here, next three years after we got here. And by the way, if you look at the four years uh, in the last four budgets, it's actually $251 million uh, versus what would otherwise be uh, a $48 million uh, figure. So hundreds of millions of dollars more of general fund, discretionary general fund, has gone into the capital program uh, in this city. Here's an area where it needs it the most. How many of you are fed up with the potholes? How many of you are fed up with the quality of the streets? I certainly am. I get it. I understand it. I'm on those streets with you every single day, and I'm as frustrated as you are. Here's what happened. 1991-1992, here was your funding total for streets. Here's what you actually needed in funding. This goes back to the early 90s. All these years, cumulative deficit, cumulative deficit, the big budget challenges of 2002-2003. Look at the last few years. We finally are meeting our need in terms of capital investment. Here's the area where we've invested more than ever into our capital program. This street resurfacing that has gone on the last few years is highlighted here in red. These are all the streets in San Francisco that have been paved. I know at times it doesn't feel like it, but these are the streets. You can see in almost every district, in fact, in every district in the city, you'll see that streets have been paved. But there are a lot of streets that haven't been paved. And that's why we've got these proposed projects moving into the next few years. You'll see the blue lines, and you'll see some more and different red lines. These are the next projects for 2008-2010, uh, which is not insignificant, including, by the way, the Tenderloin. And maybe it's just because that's where City Hall, we're right on the edge of the Tenderloin. It's in terrible shape. Go down Larkin Street. Go down Golden Gate. Go down Leavenworth. You understand what I mean. I put that slide because I recognize what you all know, and that is the Tenderloin streets are in bad disrepair as well. Uh, we're going to make progress. I want to just go back to this slide. 
in 08, 09, and 09, 010 fiscal years, we're going to invest over $80 million for street repairs. Again, think back a number of years ago, $12 million a year for all capital needs weren't ever close to our street repaving budgets. Now we're looking 35 plus million dollars a year, 36, 37. It's going to be over 40 million dollars next year. Uh, we are going to see a marked improvement. The challenge is again cumulative deficit. You can't go like that overnight and address hundreds of millions of dollars of deferred maintenance. But we are catching up, and I do think. Uh, that you are going to see and most importantly feel the difference, even if you're driving or if you're in a muni bus and you're bouncing over uh, uh, those potholes uh, and those lousy streets. Another area that is a big part of our capital investment and focus is a $4.4 billion public utilities uh, rebuild in the wastewater. This is a 167-mile gravity-fed system up at Henchechi in, uh, uh, in Yosemite. Uh, Thousands of miles uh, that go, uh, not just 167 miles of pipe that come down uh, from Hachechi, but thousands of miles of pipe that go in and around uh, the bay. Uh, this is a system that needs to be uh, upgraded. This is a system where we've put aside some $4.4 billion with the region uh, to repave and improve. This is a system that's getting the attention it deserves. The next phase will be uh, the wastewater uh, portion of the system. Let me amplify what I mean by what we've done. $4.4 billion, multi-year. Fifteen projects have been completed. We've got ten projects currently under construction and 60 projects that are in the design phase. As part of our economic stimulus, we've identified some $1.9 billion for a supplemental that we want to ship out on this PUC uh, water upgrade. That would get us to $2.95 billion, 67% of what we call the WESIP program, which is this four point, um, uh, $4 billion program. WESIP representing uh, water safety improvement uh, program. So we're going to keep those projects going. It's in Sonol, Calaveras County, uh, San Joaquin, uh, other parts of the state. All are going to see the benefits of this investment, uh, meet water quality requirements, improve seismic safety, most importantly, ensure delivery uh, of a reliable system, and lessen the effects of drought. And remember, we are in a drought, and we need to deal with the realities and the adaptation challenges and concerns about global climate change and reduce snowpack in the Sierras. This is a big part of that solution as well. Recycling, uh, water recycling programs, another big part of this improvement. Uh, progress as well has been made in housing. Now, I have a big section in the poverty discussion in the state of the city uh, where you can hear more. But if you're going to talk economic development, one of the great economic development strategies and stimulus strategy is housing development. We created a program called 15-5 to develop 15,000 housing units in five years between 2005 and 2010, with about a third of them affordable. Here's the progress to date. We have already developed some 7,238 housing units that have been complete. This is the most aggressive housing expansion in our city's history. In fact, we have more than doubled what we've done in the last decade, more than tripled what we did in the previous decade. This is important to note. More housing is being built in our city than any other time in city's history. Has been and currently is under construction. 7,500 housing units in addition to the 7,238 are under construction as we speak. Uh, we have also seen an aggressive amount of money invested in affordable housing from $109 million 
to 223.7 million. So when I talk about housing and economic development, I mean housing for people at all income levels. Here's the affordable housing production, some 4,030 units of housing since 2004. Still a drop in the bucket compared to where we need to be, but big part of the solution uh, moving forward. Speaking of solutions moving forward, no more important area to invest and focus in than the issue of public housing and the terrible conditions of public housing in this city. For that matter, this state and this country, it is a disgrace what has happened. It's a disgrace that the federal government has abandoned their responsibility to the poorest people in our communities. And that is, in addition uh, to our city, that is a condition that exists in almost every big city in America. In order to do something about it, instead of complaining about it, with a Hope 6 program that every year the Bush administration has in the last few years tried to line item out, where they only provided $94.5 million last year, our city put up $95 million, more than the entire Hope 6 program combined all of the hope six dollars in america combined san francisco decided to put up as much money in fact more money five hundred thousand more to get the job done we're going to start we call it hope sf not hope six we're going to start uh, in the summer fall of next year it's taken a while to rebuild the 267 housing units that exist at hunter view and make it 750 plus new units of housing mixed income housing at the hunters view site this is also part of an economic investment economic development strategy we have five other housing sites that are part of this, uh, Petrero and Sunnydale, uh, other parts uh, of the Western Edition. Uh, we have a lot of work to do, $260 million of deferred maintenance. Maybe our new president will help us on this, but in the interim, we're going to take responsibility and get moving. Speaking of responsibility, we've taken it. We initiated Proposition G. Uh, thank you to Michael Cohen. There's just the best of the best economic development director. His work, his effort, his advocacy created a framework. Uh, you know, for decades we've been talking about Bayview Hunters Point in the shipyard and what we can do to revitalize it. Uh, this is really, if I look back at the four years that I've had in office, particularly just frankly the last six months of this year in 2008, uh, one of the things I'm most proud of is passing Proposition G, which rezones that entire area in the southeast sector for 10,000 housing units, 2 million square feet of R&D space for green tech business, 400 acres of open space and parks, uh, 700,000 square feet of retail space, uh, arts district to capture the arts community and allow them to continue to thrive in the southeast sector, also provides for a stadium site for the 49ers. And I want to underscore this. Everything the 49ers have asked us to do we have done. We needed to rezone the land, the site. We've done that. We needed to create conditions where we could build a public-private partnership. We have identified the private partner in Lennar in order to create the conditions that provide for a $100 million partnership between that private entity and the 49ers. And most importantly, we needed money to clean up the shipyard and clean up the site to remove the toxics. Take a look at this slide. $340 million just in the last few years between 04 and 08. That's more than all the other shipyards in America combined. Money that's coming in to clean up this shipyard so that we can deal with the asthma rates, the breast cancer rates, the cervical cancer rates, the prostate cancer rates, to deal with the environmental injustice that exists in the southeast sector once and for all. How about this year? $76.3 million in this climate was secured by Speaker Nancy Pelosi, Dianne Feinstein, and others. I couldn't be more proud. Evo Tool, our extraordinary, outstanding lobbyists, helping us secure those dollars uh, representing our city. Look at that chart more than any other time in our city's history. That was something else 
that is a predicate to developing this site. You can't do it without cleanup. Money's there. We fully funded that program in the last two years, and we fully funded it for the next year. Uh, we have an opportunity uh, to deliver uh, not just on the promises for the people of the southeast sector and those 10,000 housing units and those parks and open space and retail and recreational opportunities, but also a new stadium uh, for the 49ers. And we're looking forward to engaging in a positive dialogue with the 49ers in the next uh, uh, calendar year. In addition to southeast sector of Bayview Owners Point, how about the Mission Bay area? Already 900,000 square feet of biotech space has been built up. 1.3 million square feet is an active development. Six million square feet has already been zoned uh, for biotech. Uh, residential units, 2,175, completely done. Uh, and we've got 1,270 under development. Remember, once you hit 3,600, that triggers the ability to put a new school in uh, the Mission Bay area, the science and tech school I talked about in the education section of the state of the city. Uh, new parks, new playgrounds uh, in and around the Mission Bay uh, area, which uh, I think are an envy for any urban area in America. Take a look uh, when you get down there. Uh, here's the new buildings that are going up, the Gladstone Institute uh, and some of the other developments in and around the area and the new Stem Cell Institute in here, Pac Bell, AT&T Park uh, in here. But you're going to see all this built out. You're going to see this area all built out um, very soon. This is where our science and tech school will ultimately go. Again, talk about economic development, old rail yards, old shipyard uh, in Candlestick. Uh, point area, old rail yards here in Mission Bay, all being converted, all being revitalized, recaptured. Here's some schematics. The Third Street light rail uh, right here, that 5.1 mile uh, system uh, that goes uh, from the ballpark down uh, to Cal Palace area. Uh, here's the number of biotech companies. Here's a big part of the story and success of San Francisco. When we started, we had one biotech company. It was really a medical device company, Hofer. We loved them. We called them biotech because we needed to lay claim to having at least one biotech company. Look how many we have now. 46 biotech companies. Pfizer just announced their bioinnovation biotherapeutic center moving into the city and county of San Francisco. Did a tax credit, put together a team, dealt with parking issues, permitting issues, perception issues, and we've created an economic stimulus that has helped build out that Mission Bay area. I couldn't be more proud of this and the team of folks around us that have fought hard and moved aggressively uh, to make all of this real and to make this happen. And I really think the best is yet to come in terms of that biotech cluster. Uh, Transbay Terminal. Take a look at this magnificent new Pelly, uh, Clark Pelly design. This world-class transit structure. Talk about green roofs. Talk about living uh, roofs. Uh, this park on top of this world-class transit structure. 3,440 housing units, 1,250 affordable, 2.4 million square feet of office space, hotel, groundbreaking. That's just in a few weeks. We're going to get this thing done. And the reason we're going to get it done is we got that high-speed rail done, $9.95 billion. Thank you to the leadership of uh, former Senator Quentin Kopp, now Judge Kopp, and others. You can get down to L.A. in two and a half hours, $55 uh, each way. You don't have to wait in line in an airport. You don't have to sit there in your car. Uh, you now have an opportunity to get on a world-class system uh, that will, I think, uh, create a, uh, an anchor to San Francisco's uh, economic future by creating an alternative to expanding airport runways, an alternative to expanding freeways, more congestion, more pollution, more frustration, more delay. Uh, now we have a new option to address the growth in our state and to address the economic opportunities for smart growth 
up and down the state, transit-oriented development, and that transit-oriented development is not, I think, seen in a more significant light than this Transbay development that will be anchored with this new West Coast Grand Central Station uh, that will have the high-speed rail coming right uh, into it. $20 billion a year, you see right here, just in congestion costs, uh, wasted fuel and lost time. Uh, here's an opportunity to solve that. Another area where we're focusing to solve some problems is the eastern neighborhood. This is roughly 22% of the land mass in San Francisco, about 17 or so percent of the population of the city. It's where a small percentage of the housing in our city currently exists, but where a huge percentage of the housing that will be built in the next five years will exist. We're rezoning this entire area. Ten, almost 15 years we've been talking about this. We're down to the final uh, brush strokes, as it were, to get this thing done, working with members of the Board of Supervisors, Supervisor Maxwell, who's uh, had a Enough of our office going back and forth on amendments, fixing this, fixing that. But we're fixing to solve the problem of PDR use, solve the problem of housing, and jobs linkages, uh, deal with the issue of production, distribution, uh, and retail, deal with the old industrial base of our city, converting to a new modern, more innovative, uh, more technologically engaged base, but not forgetting that a lot of the PDRs that used to be in the 1850s to 1950s exporting are now servicing our high-tech digital media, digital arts, and new economy. So PDR is not anathema uh, to the city's uh, lifeblood and future. Quite the contrary. It's trying to find that balance. And I think we have, um, I hope we have, uh, with some of the final amendments on the eastern neighborhoods, but another big part of the economic development strategy of the city. 10,000 new housing units. It's actually higher than 32% below market. Uh, we have uh, new arts and retail open space opportunities. Again, a big uh, concentrated effort uh, to uh, reconcile uh, the fate and future of a big portion of the industrial lands in San Francisco. And speaking of those old industrial lands, Schlage Lock, I was just down there today. It's out near the Cow Palace, right off the new 3rd Street Light Rail. We were down at Visitation Valley Elementary School, uh, right down the block. This is an incredible area that we're going through a rezoning process. It's going very well. That's an area that I wanted to highlight because it deserves attention. Uh, $4.1 million in outside funding has gone to streetscapes improvements around Leland Avenue, again, a part of San Francisco that often is underserved. Uh, we've got an EIR and sledge walk that will be done by uh, the end of the year, probably beginning of next year. This is an area of concentrated focus moving in uh, to uh, 2009, as is Treasure Island. Now, I didn't think I'd be here to celebrate Treasure Island because we still don't own it. The Navy owns it. Uh, but we've got a new president, and it's a new day, and we're going to turn the page in terms of cooperation and partnership on both sides between the city and the Navy. And we're going to be in a position to finally build out 6,000 housing units in the most sustainable, greenest development of its kind in U.S. history, uh, where we have photovoltaics as part of the skins of the building, wastewater facility, cogeneration facilities all on site. You've got new ferry transport. You've got wind uh, and uh, wind programs and wastewater programs, uh, stormwater runoff programs that are the envy of the nation. Uh, this is real. Uh, this can happen and groundbreak. Uh, groundbreaking could occur sometime next year. Still got to work on some final details with Speaker Pelosi and um, our friends in the Navy. Uh, but this is an exciting project that's moving forward. It also incorporates congestion pricing. Governor Schwarzenegger, people don't know this, just signed AB 981, which created California's first 
demonstration project for congestion pricing. I want to thank uh, Mark Leno for his advocacy on this. I want to thank um, uh, our team of lobbyists for getting this thing through. I'm very proud of this. First congestion pricing strategies, not just the broader congestion pricing that the city's talking about, but this smaller version out on the island, Treasure Island, that will be the first of its kind in California history. Speaking of history, uh, some proud, some not so proud. We have a great history on our piers and our port, piers 15 and 17. It's about to be converted, $175 million renovation with the new Exploratorium. You're going to see this built out in 010, 11. Uh, it's going to be a world-class uh, new facility. Uh, we love the Exploratorium. Uh, the Exploratorium offers so much already. Imagine it being moved from Palace of Fine Arts area uh, right down on the waterfront. And this is a world-class facility, and it's taking shape. It is part of the economic renaissance of our port and pier. In addition to that, we have Piers 27 and 32, uh, which includes a new cruise ship terminal, uh, which we want to build out. Uh, this has been delayed, 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 uh, but we want to get it done. We're going to build out that new cruise ship terminal. Uh, we've got all kinds of opportunities to do that, new construction jobs, including building out the area right in front of the watermark lot 330. It's a seawall lot uh, right across uh, from uh, Piers 3032, which is an area that we want to build more housing and we want to finally develop that's currently a parking lot. And that's going out in just the next couple months. So this year, 2009, mark my word, you're going to see a lot of progress Finally, mark my word, on Pierce 27, uh, 29, 30, 32, uh, it has been a long time coming. Uh, we have not seen a lot of progress, but we're going to see it once uh, and for all. Another area we're going to see some progress is uh, lot, seawall lot 337, all this technocratic uh, uh, babble. But this is the area right in front of uh, or uh, just to the south of the AT&T ballpark. It's that parking lot area. Uh, we want to convert it to more housing. You can see the range of new housing units that will come up. Uh, we have uh, developers that were supposed to respond by November 13th. Actually, has been delayed a little bit. Uh, all these developers were competing against each other. Now they're all coming together, and they're going to submit a new bid uh, that will achieve the retail component, uh, the office space component, the green uh, requirements, again, the, the sustainability requirements. Uh, here's the ballpark now. You can see it's the area just over the bridge there that's the current parking lot. And you can see some of the designs, the green building, uh, designs that include green roofs, the entertainment venues, uh, the open space, the McCovey Cove open space, etc. Some density, housing office. Uh, this is another exciting project to look forward to into 2010. Another one is Pier 70. People of San Francisco just supported Proposition D. I want to thank Monique Moyer uh, for helping put this on the ballot with Sophie Maxwell. Uh, this allows us to revitalize 65-acre Brownfield site, which is an historic site in San Francisco. Uh, it's more than just a pier in the traditional sense. This is a huge part uh, of our city uh, right in this area. Uh, it's one of the most historic areas because it's where a lot of ship repair uh, was done in the city and where a lot of ship repair can continue to be done. We're going to do solicitations for the site uh, in the spring of 2009. We're talking about thousands and thousands of new jobs. Finally, 
Again, 2009 promises to be a good one in terms of Pier 70 uh, with the support of the voters in Prop D. I said that ship repair hasn't gone away. Well, not completely. Most of it has, but not all of it. Uh, we just did a $5 million investment. I announced it two years ago. Not many people focused on it and didn't know what the heck we were talking about. A partnership to deal with these post-Panamax uh, cruise ships. These new ships can't fit through the Panama Canal. So as a consequence, they need to come around to the West Coast and they need to go to a dry dock. Well, we have one of the nation's largest dry docks, and we just had this Princess cruise ship that was out there uh, creating literally or hundreds of jobs in this case. Uh, it was a phenomenal site. It just goes to the type of blue-collar jobs that we can still hold on to in San Francisco uh, in this post-Panamax environment. Uh, and that investment, again, returned great dividends. Make those investments, even when you don't have, um, when the economy uh, doesn't necessarily feel like it can support it, they ultimately will pay good dividends if they're smart investments. This was one of those smart ones. Part of, again, the economic development strategy includes the pier and the port uh, all the way down. You can see uh, the ship that was actually dry docked right here. That ship is literally lifted out of the water. Uh, these ships are phenomenal. Uh, and all the crew was waiting around to get it all cleaned up and fixed. Where'd they go? San Francisco to shop and spend a lot of money. So it has an economic stimulus beyond the jobs it creates. Uh, it promotes a lot of tourism uh, and a lot of, uh, uh, a lot of reciprocal spending. Culture. You want to talk economic development, you want to talk about economic growth, you've got to talk about cultural institutions, you've got to talk about arts and culture, always as a precursor. Now you look at the greatest cities in the world, they had one thing in common, extraordinary arts and cultural programs. And that created the economic wealth and economic development that followed. Well, we're standing in one, the new Academy of Sciences right here. Uh, we're across the street from the Neo Young Museum. The African Diaspora Museum has just recently opened in the last couple of years. The Museum of Craft and Design, the Conservatory of Music just recently opened uh, this last year. Uh, the Contemporary Jewish Museum uh, just recently opened. Uh, this has been an amazing couple of years in San Francisco, and most of that just uh, in the last 18 or so months, uh, investing in culture. You see all of these new projects. I mentioned the Exploratorium, Piers 15 to 17, the Mint we're working on, Contemporary Art Museum and the Presidio. Uh, Don Fisher, thank you for holding in there. I know there's still a lot of concern about that, a lot of issues. Uh, we need to work through that, but we need if he's going to contribute a billion dollars of contemporary art, we need to keep it in San Francisco. Let's do everything we can to be respectful of anyone that wants to contribute uh, this type uh, of collection uh, to our city. Uh, and so I'm hopeful that we can work that out. You can see as well, we've improved the Bayview Opera House. Uh, please go down there. You can see a lot of the improvement and changes. We're going to try to get that Mexican Museum in. Uh, into the area across from Yerba Buena. We're going to try to get that International uh, Women's Museum in there as well into the new year. But a lot of great news on the cultural side. And by the way, uh, when you see here, I always like the photo of the uh, top of the Diang. You never see that. Uh, look how spectacular that Herzog and Demoran design is and how different it is from the perspective when you're standing there. Uh, you... Uh, have the Contemporary Jewish Museum, Daniel Lipskin, uh, another world-class architect that just finished that contemporary component and then connected it with the more historic component in the brick facade uh, right there in Yerba Buena Garden. And hopefully we'll have, uh, uh, we'll have the Mexican Museum in here and the Women's Museum uh, to uh, anchor the Craft and Arts Museum and that uh, African Diaspora and the African Diaspora Museum. Uh, here's the Academy of Sciences. We're right in there, the green roof. 
two and a half acre living green roof, Renzo Piano design. Love the way Renzo described this building. He said, I literally am going to lift Golden Gate Park up, put a building underneath it, put the park right back tech town on the building. It's kind of what he's done here. There's the park on top of the building. He just lifted it, placed it right back down on top. Uh, what an extraordinary building. Lead Platinum, world class. Uh, just giving our, our city a boost at a time when we needed the boost and a big reason why I'm optimistic about our city's future. We've been doing something, you know, the Bill O'Reilly's of the world and others that always talk about secular uh, this, secular that. Well, this is the city of St. Francis. That's our namesake, San Francisco. Uh, this is a city with probably as much or more faith-based organizations delivering social services than any city in America. You think about our homeless delivery system. You think about Episcopal Community Services in St. Vincent de Paul and Glide Memorial Church and St. Anthony's Dining Room. We do as much or more than anybody in terms of faith-based approach, but we do it in a way that doesn't promote one religion over another. But one thing we've also done is connected to our proud past as it relates to a city of St. Francis that cares in the context of its values, cares about the poor and the least among us. Angela Aliotto did a remarkable thing and raised the money to put the Porzunkula here in San Francisco in North Beach and just completed it. And it's a cultural icon. It deserved uh, some consideration and it deserves some identity. And it's something that, again, people of all denominations to come and enjoy. Uh, and it's one of the reasons I'm very proud of my city and proud that uh, regardless of the rhetoric of the far right in this country likes to bemoan and, uh, and uh, sort of bloviate about our city, uh, that this city stands apart. Uh, and I think it's these kinds of commitments, this kinds of investment, this kind of philanthropy uh, that, uh, that sets us apart. Uh, in addition to having all of these wonderful cultural institutions uh, and places to go, we need a, play, a way to get there. And that's why we created the 74X, this new cultural bus. I'm not sure if it's going to be a success. Uh, it's underutilized to date. It's a pilot. We'll see uh, if it can uh, get more writers. Uh, but it's a wonderful idea to connect the Asian Art Museum and the Civic Center uh, with the Young Museum and the Conservatory of Flatters, the Striving Arboretum, not just the, um, uh, the Academy of Sciences, but also MoMA and others. Uh, and it's an idea that I think will also enhance uh, the, uh, the visitorship and enhance the experience and ultimately our economic development. Neighborhoods. We are sitting in neighborhoods. I say this all the time. You can't deal with the city of San Francisco in the context of looking just downtown. You've got to look at what makes the city special, and that's the anchor, which are its neighborhoods. We talked about Schlagelock. We talked about the eastern neighborhoods. We talked about the Transit Center, the Trans Bay Terminal, Bayview-Hunters Point, Treasure Island, uh, Japantown, Balboa Park, Glen Park. All of these areas, we've invested an enormous amount of money, millions of dollars in these better neighborhood plans uh, to get the community engaged in designing and defining uh, what makes our community special and unique. And I'm really proud of that. When we talk about economic development, it's about professionalizing the planning department, professionalizing uh, the public process, uh, and we are doing that now in serious ways. And that's through this better neighborhood planning process. We completed the Rincon uh, effort. We completed the Market Octavia uh, effort. You can see the Rincon includes 2,200 housing units and all these public improvements. Uh, Market Octavia, 6,000 housing units and $85 million of infrastructure improvements. Uh, that was a challenge near the end, but we got that together with members of the board, made some amendments, and it's a much better plan than it was 
five months before we signed it. Uh, and then again, I mentioned the eastern neighborhoods, uh, all part of the better neighborhood planning process. Balboa Park area, Japantown, let's preserve that one of three remaining Japantowns. Uh, we talked about the economic opportunities in Chinatown, Leland Avenue, Third uh, Street, Ocean Mission, Lower Polk, Lower Divisadero. They don't get the attention they deserve. And Taylor Street, uh, all part of, again, neighborhood revitalization, neighborhood marketplace initiatives, trying to get those empty storefronts and try to market them uh, to retailers. Chinatown, again, I wanted to pull that out uh, with this Chinatown Economic Forum we hosted in April of this year. Uh, the work we're doing with our action plan to get folks back there visiting, not just tourists, but residents. Let's come back to Chinatown. It's an extraordinary place to be and to visit. We should be proud of it. First uh, Chinatown in America, third of our population of Asian descent, a gateway to China, Asia, Pacific, 24-hour city, a world-class city uh, that has always identified itself with the fate of others around the world in a city that truly uh, will have its strongest opportunity uh, in terms of its economic development is in relationship to its relationship to China. And that's why it's important for Chinatown to be a symbolic um, a center of that relationship. And that's why it's important to revitalize and promote it. And that's why we did the China SF, uh, which I talked about earlier, this office uh, that we've opened up in China uh, where we're doing business development. We've got Mandarin and Cantonese speakers. We have an office here locally and one in Shanghai uh, led by uh, an incredible advisory group uh, of leaders in Shanghai and leaders out here in San Francisco, including the former Secretary of Defense, Bill Perry, uh, the former Secretary of State, George Saltz, his advisors here in San Francisco, and out in Hong Kong, uh, you've got uh, Vincent Lowe and some other uh, incredibly successful business leaders in China that are anchoring our advisory committee there. This is a big deal, first foreign office San Francisco's ever opened. Uh, and it was in China, I'm proud of it. A couple other areas, and we'll close this section on the economic development. Uh, I just couldn't help myself, but here's Ferry Park. You go down uh, towards where the ferry building is, uh, down where the Embarcadero is, and you've got this big grassy area. I won't call it a grassy knoll, but it's a grassy area right in front of the Vitali Hotel. Uh, it's underutilized, and it's not particularly well kept up. Uh, we want to envision it differently. And so we've commissioned EDAL, which is a pro bono group, to envision bocce ball courts. I know what you're thinking. Bocce call ball. Well, before you throw it out and dismiss it, uh, here's a conceptual plan. Uh, it's a way of creating some energy and vibrancy and connection with the businesses and bring back an old sport in San Francisco uh, as an interim strategy, uh, just to create, again, um, uh, some dynamic activity. Uh, in an area that's underutilized. And then we'll do the larger master plan. This is where that organ was going to go. I appreciate Jim Haas, my friend. Uh, didn't look like we we're going to get the resources to do that in the late great Sue Bierman. Uh, but this is a way in the interim until we figure it all out of, of getting the space uh, moving. And you can see Wreckett Park's on board. We got approvals to build it out. I think in six to 12 months we'll get it done. Hopefully my state of the city in 2009. I'll show you real photos uh, of it. Holiday Plaza. This is that cable car turnaround area right across from the new Bloomingdale's and Nordstrom's. Uh, this is an area that, you know, it's been difficult. A lot of poverty issues. Again, you're just a half a block away from Siga Room Occupancy Hotels, one of the largest adult day care centers for mentally ill people in the Social Security office uh, right there at 939 Market Street, all near Holiday Plaza. So it creates a constellation of challenge at times. And this is where you bring your friends and family and you go, who's the mayor of this town? I get that. 
I am the moment. I come and go. There'll be another one. But one of the things we just finally got to is we're improving the area. Uh, and we put up these trellises and plants in this area. We've redone the lighting here. We put flower baskets up there. We're moving the cable car ticket kiosk. Uh, we're redesigning uh, the area without spending millions of dollars in order just to create different kind of activity. Uh, and I think you'll hopefully notice some changes and improvements up there as you do your holiday shopping and as you come back and rediscover your city or visit our great city. Uh, the Civic Center is an area where we want you to visit as well. Many people do visit, but they don't um, necessarily always have the experience that I think they could. Uh, we want to demonstrate the world's latest cutting-edge technologies in terms of environmental stewardship and design by creating a civic center that connects uh, to a whole different narrative of activity uh, where we're doing Wi-Fi, uh, where we've got outdoor filming, uh, where we have water features uh, that and artistic components, where we incorporate the latest technology in wind generation and solar uh, uh, programming, uh, where we reduce wastewater and we reduce water uh, consumption, we reduce energy consumption. Uh, working with the Clinton Foundation, uh, we've built this partnership we're going to roll this out into the new year. Uh, and we think this is really one of the most exciting and dynamic civic centers that will exist anywhere in the world. Uh, we've got this magnificent design. It's something of a preview in terms of economic development uh, moving into the new year. A uh, couple more, Ocean Beach. Let's not forget Ocean Beach. It's one of the longest continuous uh, beaches in any city in America. Uh, in fact, the largest. Uh, we have this beautiful beach. But we have a boulevard that anchors the beach or divides it from the rest of the city that's not as beautiful as it could or should be. So we've convened this task force, and their job is to come up and envision Ocean Beach uh, in a different way as a different resource. Again, part of an economic stimulus strategy, Carmen Chu leading the way, uh, putting this thing together, um, and a lot of support from uh, a lot of supervisors. I uh, thank them for that, and community leaders. Uh, we're going to get that done into the new year and start making some investments in greening and, uh, and focusing on the boulevard. I couldn't help this, but it, it deserved some attention. I didn't know where to put it in the presentation. The zoo, it's out. And the south, uh, it's out on the west side of town uh, near the Ocean Beach area. This time last year, we had that tragic tiger attack. Here's the latest. Revenues are down 11%. Tenants is down 15%. And the zoo is running a budget deficit, uh, and a big budget deficit. And a big part of our economic stimulus, a big part of our budgetary solution is to try to resolve the challenges at the zoo and encourage people to come back to what is now arguably one of the safest zoos now in the world because of all of the new things we've done. Uh, but I hope people um, uh, will be reminded uh, that the zoo is actually making progress on attendance, on revenue, on terms of its capital investment until this tragic incident occurred. Uh, and it deserves, uh, I think, um, some attention here because part of the economic stimulus of a city and the economic development of the city is to have these cultural uh, institutions and these attractions that bring people into the city from around the region, the state, the nation, around the world. And the zoo is one of them. And we're committed to doing more and better into the new year. Uh, speaking of better, 
benefit districts do better. By building these public-private partnerships, uh, we are involved in uh, advancing our Better Neighborhoods planning process. You can see all of the new uh, Better Neighborhoods plans, or rather the community benefit districts, uh, what they used to refer to as business improvement districts. When I started, we had one Union Square. We now have nine. We've got eight more uh, that we're launching, 17 total. If you told me we can do seven, in a full term as mayor, I never thought we can do it. This is very exciting. Supervisor Peskin and supervisor, uh, 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 supervisors, all of them, deserve credit for their support of this program. Uh, we're making real progress. Uh, again, those are the ones we've created. Here are the ones we'll be doing uh, in the next few years. Again, part of an economic development strategy, anchoring identity, building partnerships, helping us market uh, these great communities. Better streets plans. Uh, this is a new plan to create world-class streets. Uh, not and, and to create standards for world-class streets. What's a world-class street? It's a pedestrian-friendly street. It's a street uh, that has a lot of open space, even a street with open space, meaning it has bulb outs, uh, a street that may have places to sit, uh, a street that has beautiful trees, maybe historic lighting, that has um, uh, awnings that create a sense of identity and place and artistic components. We put together a whole new plan on better streets. We announced it in 2008. It's one of the things I'm very proud of in 2008. We'll pay great dividends uh, for years and years to come, as will our greening initiatives, turning to green the city, soften the edges of our streets and the hardscapes, median strips, hanging baskets, the gateways, $14 million for San Bruno Avenue, Balboa, Leland, 19th Ocean. You can drive around the city. You'll see uh, some of these uh, areas being improved. Market Street, this is the next phase where we're getting rid of these bumpers here and putting in these new transformed bumpers and safe uh, now green and sustainable uh, gardens right out in the middle of Market Street. These will be coming into the new year. We have a new blue-greenway that we've committed to. I talked a lot about in the environmental section uh, to uh, extend like we've done for Chrissy Field, but to extend between AT&T Park and Candlestick Park um, this open space and to connect that southeast sector in a completely different way. You can see the progress that's already been made. Uh, I encourage you again in the uh, environmental section uh, of this presentation to learn more about the Blue Greenway, but how it's also part not just of an environmental strategy, but an economic development strategy. Uh, parks. Uh, I'm very proud of this. The money we put into parks, uh, general fund money that's been put into parks, we more than doubled the annual appropriation put into the general fund of the parks. Really one of the great stories that uh, I don't know has been written that much is the fact that we've completed 90 parks uh, programs in this city. Uh, here's a list of 45 or so of them. Here's a list of the other 45 completely brand new using the Prop A $110 million parks bond and now using the new $185 million parks bond that just passed. Economic development, anchoring uh, fate and future of communities by anchoring open space and recreational opportunities and activity. We've got all these new active parks we're working on, all part of the next year or two of investment uh, into our diverse communities. A big, big part of the narrative success, I would argue, in the last few years in our city. Salva Pool finally being done out there on the uh, west side of town uh, for Supervisor Ellsburn and Supervisor Chu and others. It couldn't happen soon enough. Uh, you've got this incredible public-private partnership with the Fisher family. And let me thank the Fisher family for their contribution. They have uh, committed $40 million in private investment to the city's $20 million to do new play fields. Go to Garfield Park. Go to Silver Terrace. Go to Crocker Amazon. Go down to Franklin Square and go to South Sunset Playground. Look at how these new play fields have transformed neighborhoods. Garfield, 
you wouldn't even be caught. Uh, well, you wouldn't want to be out there late at night. It was a terrible field, potholes everywhere, terrible irrigation. Now great lighting, new signage, uh, completely revitalized area. Silver Terrace, you can drive down the freeway uh, towards the ballpark and you'll see Silver Terrace uh, on the eastern side. A beautiful, completely reformed area, Crocker Amazon. Uh, this is a really exciting project. That's all taken shape in the last 18 or so months, a big part of it. I think the wonderful success in terms of uh, investment in neighborhoods last, uh, in, in last year, 2008. See, Kimball Playground uh, is also up next in that program. Here's just some before and afters just to give you a sense. Here's Franklin Square, what it looked like before, here's after, before and after. Uh, these are dramatic changes, and those changes have reflected in customer satisfaction. Look at the... I almost thought this was made up. 2007, we surveyed 1,300 people. 87% rated their parks excellent or good. Now, I know you're thinking, hmm, I was thinking the same thing, but it was a fair survey, and these were the numbers. Uh, candidly, I, I, I don't know that we can maintain that status, but it makes you feel pretty good that we're moving in the right direction, a new direction. And I want to thank the former uh, director of Recreation Parks, Yomi Agumiyati, for his hard work. We got Jared Bloomfeld over there now, uh, holding the fort until we finish the national search for a brand new park and rec director. Uh, we're going to get it to the next level. Uh, libraries, and I'll close the section with this as well. I've got a great new director of our libraries uh, who's doing just a wonderful job. Luis uh, is doing a job that he needed to do uh, to really jumpstart our whole investment. Uh, into our 24 uh, neighborhood libraries. We're 27, but 24 is part of this plan of revitalization. You can see the libraries that are complete, libraries that are almost complete, and those that are pending. We have five new branch libraries opening in 2009, completely done. Six under construction, five completely done in the new year. We had literally half dozen done uh, this year. Uh, so it's been a really exciting time for neighborhood libraries as well as parks and something, again, to celebrate, to uh, share, and something to commemorate and also talk about in terms of uh, economic development in the future. There's my library where I grew up. My mom used to drop me off there uh, at the uh, Marina Library branch, kept the old historical components uh, and revitalized it. Glen Park, out there, Supervisor Dufty. Uh, this was an amazing park. Look at the way uh, 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 library, look at the way it used to look compared to where it looks now. And this is the actual library itself uh, in a beautiful entry. Uh, and then you've got the Western Edition Library. It was out there on a windy, cold, rainy day. We opened that one not too many months ago. Looks pretty much the same from the outside, but on the inside, it's really a community hub and a community center, uh, a world-class, uh, newly designed and developed uh, library. So I think there's a lot to be thankful for in terms of the investment and the capital improvements and the infrastructure in the city. Um, and in spite of, again, the macroeconomic challenges, uh, we're there to make the commitments and redouble those efforts into the new year. Parks, playgrounds, neighborhood institutions, uh, libraries. We're going to be investing in uh, the waterfront, and we're going to be investing in streets, sidewalks, uh, as well as some of these big redevelopment projects. Uh, I think uh, there's a lot to be thankful for looking back, but also arguably more to be uh, hopeful for looking in the future.